The Present by Stefan Molyneux, Chapter 17 Traffic was a nightmare. Streets had become parking lots. To distract herself from her growing panic, Rachel played mental games with the license plates in front of her, turning the three letters into acronyms for short sentences. But every sentence became a harbinger of doom in her mind, and she quickly gave up. She turned on the radio. A man was speaking. And, of course, the Republicans are seizing on this to basically attack our fine president. A woman interrupted with a harsh laugh. (laughs) You know how these people are. Right after they get out of bed, they start hearing conspiracy theories in the hum of their electric toothbrushes. The man sniggered. (laughs) Who imagines that they even brush their teeth? Right, right. Their teeth are as yellow as their journalism. Some kind of life, imagining that the walls are constantly closing in on you and hysteria and attack are the only rational responses. Talk about wearing yourself out. I'm sure, though, Danny boy, that at the end of their life, as the light fades from their eyes and the last thing they see is a faded orange poster of their glorious once leader, that all they can think about is how wonderful it was to ignore friends and family and spend your life making lame memes online. Picturing yourself as some kind of green frog superhero. Rachel could almost hear the man nodding energetically. (laughs) Yeah, they always say the left can't meme. Do you know why? Because we're out there going on dates and meeting with friends and staying up late talking about things that matter. We're not going all golem, strolling Pepe memes at three in the morning for our glorious six followers. Rachel changed the station blindly. A deeper voice, far less frantic, more measured. Everyone gets sick, and every time, except one, you get better. You know, folks, there are two days you never live fully, the day you were born and the day you die. Each one has less than 24 hours for you. And the shortages, well, folks, before they got better. And everyone in power keeps telling you, hey, you have nothing to worry about. But they're not doing you any favors, friends. They don't exist to do you favors. You exist to pay them, to serve them. So I hope you've been listening to my good advice and the words of our fine sponsors. And you've got some resources, some food in the basement, some ammo. Sure, it took the Roman Empire 500 years to fall. But then... It did. And every time you get sick, you get better. Except for that one time. The last time. It's not... We know this in our hearts, in our souls. But still we think that somehow life and decay of ourselves, of our civilization, will somehow pass us by. Countries last for about 250 years on average, particularly powerful countries with empires. And don't fool yourself, we have one, folks. We are one. Where are we in that timeline? You know. Look around. You know. You know in your heart. As it goes for people, so it also goes for countries civilizations. If you think of the national debt, the dumbing down of the population, 
the escalation of propaganda and surveillance technology. Do you really think that our freedoms, our way of life, will... Rachel stabbed her finger at the power button, turning the voice off. Her heart was pounding, thudding in her chest like a boxer punching a wall in a burning room. Everything is designed to stress me out. Being in a rush, being stuck in traffic, Rachel suddenly thought of a pimple she had gotten on her upper left lip right before her grade 12 prom. Every day I think my life is a total mess, and every next day I would give everything for the problems I had only the day before. The bad haircut she got before going to Morocco. Her skin reaction to that cheap foundation from China. The time she thought she was losing her hearing because her eustachian tube got clogged. The time Arlo took too much protein powder and thought he had bowel cancer. The time she missed an exam and had to fight like hell to retake it. The time her bank misplaced a large check. And that time, early in the pandemic, when she thought that everyone might die. What would she not give to return to those problems? They had all worked out. Everything was fine. But the calm radio voice came alive in her head. Everything is fixable. Everything is fine. Until it's not. Rachel was startled out of her reverie by a sudden raging horn from the car behind her. There's nowhere to go! She wanted to scream. She decided to turn her car off because the gas warning chime was driving her crazy. She could see the gas station just a couple of blocks down the road. A group of hooded young men ran screeching and hooting past the front of her car. She saw a flash of dark eyes glaring at her from above a black bandana. An arm swung down and smashed into her hood, leaving a dimpled dent. His tongue extended in a manic lick of air, and then the gang swarmed to her left, disappearing into an alley. The last siren stopped. It was strangely quiet. Rachel saw the man ahead of her get out of his rusty car. He was bald with a ridiculous comb-over. He wore khaki pants and a loud Hawaiian shirt so cheap it made Rachel's skin itch just to look at it. He shaded his eyes, leaning forward, as if the few extra inches would clarify whatever he was trying to see ahead. He pulled his phone out of his side pocket and raised it to his ear. He suddenly looked to his left and his right, obviously alarmed. He turned back to Rachel and stared at her directly through her dusty, bug-spattered windshield. She suddenly remembered her father years ago, turning to her in the car as an insect hit the glass and saying, I bet he doesn't have the guts to do that again. The man suddenly jumped back into his car. Rachel watched him lean over, locking all the doors and rolling up the windows. Afterwards, he sat, frozen, his shoulders tense. His car shuddered slightly as he turned it off. Rachel's phone buzzed again, and she glanced at it. Seeing the name, she grabbed it, answering breathlessly, Hello, yes, hello, Oliver. Rachel, are you all right? 
<laughs> That's a big question. She laughed shakily. There was a slight pause. Where are you? Stuck in traffic. How far are you from home? Maybe 20 minutes? Why? 20 minutes by foot or by car? By foot? I'm, I'm driving. I know, but you're stuck. Well, I can't just abandon my car. What are you talking about? Is there any way off the road you were on? I have like, <laughs> I'm driving on fumes right now. There was a pause. Rachel could faintly hear Oliver between his teeth. What? What's going on? cried Rachel. When the calmest person you know is panicking, that's really freaking me out. There was another pause. Rachel, did you lie to me? Rachel nodded, then whispered, Yes. How many times? And about what? Am I in confession? Stop joking. It's my job to get what I need. Okay, said Oliver flatly. Good luck to you. Click. Rachel suddenly experienced the strangest and most wrenching moment of her life. Her eyes widened, and she noticed that the rust bucket ahead of her had a bumper sticker. In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. She didn't have a sunroof, but imagined her mind suddenly erupting like a geyser through the top of her car, flying up and over the city. And she could see every vivid detail of every building, every street. She could read every sign, every advertisement, every store name, all at the same time. She inhaled sharply and could feel the tiny pinpricks of each particle of dust and vapor charging into her lungs. From the sky, she looked down and could see the various hairstyles and hats of everyone running through the city, every loose pack of dogs roaming the gas stations, and each ground-up bottle cap and wobbly mispainted line on every intersection. Rachel grabbed her phone and dialed. In this moment, she would have given anything and everything to ensure he picked up. Oliver Fraser here. How can I help you? Business tone. I lied. I lied about my name. I lied about my boyfriend. I was cruel to that man who wanted to talk to you. I lied about why I am doing what I am doing. I am very attracted to you. I know, I know I'm not supposed to... You might have a girlfriend. I'm just a child wearing makeup. You would never be attracted to... I want to become a better person. Rachel was in tears. I don't have a life. I don't have a future. There's nothing appealing about that. I'm terrified of turning into my aunt. She's the final stop on these tricky tracks. To forestall his response, and not even sure he was still on the line, Rachel plunged on. And I know, I know I am a cliché, total stereotype. I care about heels and cheekbones and status and being appealing like an ape, like a piece of meat. And I also know that I'm a female cliche, that, that I am monkey branching to a more, to a higher status male, a man who can actually protect me from what's coming rather than a pretty boy I can show off. 
And I know I sound hysterical, total Blanche Dubois, and, and that's about as off-putting as I can imagine, but I feel like a f- fictional character floating in nothing. But you have a soul. Oliver, I don't know how you live without wanting to please others. Oh, I'm lying about that too, right now. Because I know that I don't show any evidence of wanting to please people. To control them, maybe. Rachel willed herself to stop. Oliver said, It's nice to hear from your soul. Rachel wept openly. I thought I did everything right, but everything turned out wrong. Rachel, nothing can turn out right if you just manage people. There was another slight pause. How does it feel to tell the truth? (laughs) Bloody horrible, (laughs) cried Rachel in a sudden mock British accent, laughing despite herself. How have your friends reacted to the article? Please don't tell me you actually have to ask me that. She could almost hear him smile. No, I don't. I lied to you, cheated you, betrayed you, and you still take my call. There was a pause. Rachel said, I lied to you, and you were kind to me. I told my friends the truth, and they... they. She burst into tears again. Do you know why? I don't. Being attacked for telling the truth is the foundation of everything we believe in, that I believe in. Your friends think that the world can be made perfect. If you interfere with that fantasy, well, you're just an enemy to be attacked, condemned, cast out. His voice lowered, and she pressed her phone closer to her ear. But I know, I know, Rachel, that human beings, we are fallen creatures. We all fall prey to evil and betrayal. That is the animal nature we are cursed with as a condition of existence, of survival. I do not condemn you for lying, because that is the natural state of mankind. Rachel took a deep, shuddering breath. So, you have lied to me as well? Yes. There was no pause before his word. About? Oliver sighed. Well, I do find you interesting and attractive. My flaw, well, one of them, one of the many, is that I am very impatient with manipulation because of my... But how could you do otherwise, given what you believe? Rachel smiled. Attractive? Oliver laughed. (laughs) Yes, that would be the word you pick out. You are intelligent and passionate and pretty, which will always mean something as long as the devil rules this world. I don't feel pretty, said Rachel softly. No, I think you are right at the root of yourself. You probably love striding confidently, in high heels, no doubt. But you are just now only learning how to walk. Death by analogies, smiled Rachel, rubbing her eyes. 
You can't be. You can't want to. If I'm such an infant, you asked me to be honest with you, so I was. It's not a proposal. Oh, no, exclaimed Rachel. Not that. Oliver's voice suddenly grew serious. I don't mean to train you like a puppy, but here is your reward for being honest. Where is the closest place you can take shelter? What? Is, 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 is there a storm? Rachel, you're not getting any gas. There was a pause. Rachel looked up and saw that the rusty car ahead of her was now empty. <laughs>